Amen. I'm going to have a very simple title today. It's called God is Bigger. God is Bigger. Now, I'm going to assume everybody in here knows the story of David and Goliath. That's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're just going to walk through that story and learn a few lessons about David's faith in the midst of a trial. So in in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Israelites were encamped on one mountainside and the Philistines are encamped on another mountainside and there's this large valley in between them and they're at war. King Saul is at war. His son Jonathan is at war. Many of the men of Israel are there. But the difference of this war is no battle is currently going on. Because the other side has this giant warrior named Goliath. And every morning he comes out of his tent and he taunts the people of Israel. And he says, send me one warrior. Me and this guy will go toe to toe. We're going to fight it out. And whoever wins, whoever wins, then the battle's over. And the victor claims all the spoils and you are our slaves or we'll be your slaves. Just send me one guy. Now, Saul was not a weak man. The Israelites had some great warriors, but we're talking about a giant guy here. Not just a giant guy, he's not just big. He's a warrior. As Saul even says, Goliath is a warrior from his youth. This guy was trained to fight. But then you have this young boy named David. He's shepherding his father's sheep. And his father says, I want you to go check on your three brothers that are in the war. Take them some bread. Take some cheese to their commander. And just see how they're doing. Now, this man Jesse had eight sons. And only three of them were at war. We don't know if the other five, four were old enough or if they just weren't at the war. Because everybody didn't go to war all the time. So there's some debate on how old David actually is. If Those three were the only three that were old enough to be in war, then David was about 14. But what we do know is David was not yet 20 because he wasn't old enough to be in the war. And in the Israelite army, when you were 20, then you could go to war. So David is in his teenage years. We're going to leave it there. He goes to check on his three brothers. And something happens. David walks up and he hears this big giant warrior mocking God. Now, David is a shepherd. He's a songwriter, he's a singer, and a shepherd. But something happens inside of David's spirit that absolutely enrages him. That this man would have the audacity to stand in front of God's army and mock them and mock God. And he looks at everybody and he's like, why isn't anybody doing anything? Now, his brothers get very mad at him because... They probably feel a little ashamed that their younger brother is feisty and ready to go to battle. But they're much wiser, they're warriors, and they know they can't beat Goliath. They all know it. Nobody can. That's why no warrior has taken up that challenge. But David's line to them is telling of his heart. This isn't an ego thing with David. It's not a pride thing. He simply says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to defend the honor of God? Is there not a cause 
to defend the glory of God? Is there not a cause to have faith in God? Is there not a cause to trust in God? So David tells Saul, I will do this. Saul laughs at him. He's like, you're just a kid. You're nothing but a youth and a shepherd. And Goliath was raised from a youth to do this exact job, to be a warrior. And David is dead set that he is going to go to battle because God will give him the victory. And here's another telling thing about David's heart. David doesn't say, I will defeat him. Leave it to me. I'm skilled. Man, I am sharp with that. That uh, slingshot, I've got this, don't you worry about it. What he does is he says, you know, when I was a shepherd, a lion tried to take the sheep and I killed it. And then a bear tried to take one and I killed it. But in the next verse, he says, God delivered them to me. David knew it wasn't David that was capable of killing a bear or killing a lion. He knew that it was God working through him. And he looked at that giant as the same thing as that bear... He looked at it at the same thing as that lion. And he says, God will deliver. He doesn't say, I'll take it. He says, God will deliver him to me. That is where David's heart is. His heart is fully with trusting in the promises of God because he knows who God is. He doesn't doubt God's word. He doesn't doubt God's faithfulness to his people. So King Saul says, all right, fine. We're going to put all of our lives at stake here and we're going to send you to battle. So Saul gets his armor and puts it on David. Now, whether David is 14 or 19, this armor is not going to fit because Saul, as it says earlier, he was in a full head above all the rest of the Israelites. When they chose him to be king, he was the best looking man out there. He was strong and he was a head taller than everybody else. So he's already a big man and now you have a teenager and he's putting his armor on him. But David doesn't say, this armor's too big, Saul, I can't do it. David says, Saul, I can't do this because I've not tested these weapons. David was not counting on the war skills of man. He wasn't counting on the skill set of the warriors. He was counting on what God had done for him already. He was counting on how God had already preserved him. So he takes off the armor, takes off the helmet and the sword... And he picks up his slingshot and he goes to the brook and he gets five stones. The Bible does not say why David got five stones, but there's a lot of theories out there because Goliath happened to have four brothers who were all giants. And David hunts them all down in the future and kills them all. But the Bible doesn't say that's why he got the five. I think it's a good theory, but we'll go with it. So David picks up that stone. Now you have Goliath on this side of the hill... And you've got David on this side of the hill, and Goliath says, finally, somebody's coming towards me. He walks out, and he looks, and it's some little kid, some shepherd boy. Man, he gets mad. Goliath gets angry. He's like, are y'all making fun of me here? Do you not see how big I am? Do you not see what kind of warrior I am? And you send your shepherd boy after me? Kid, I am going to feed you to the dogs. I'm going to destroy you. Now, David could have been shaken in his legs, but he wasn't. David looked at him and he says, The Lord will deliver you into my hands. Not, I am going to take you down, giant, because I'm the strongest, smartest, wisest shepherd, warrior, singer-songwriter that Israel has. He just simply says, The Lord will deliver. And then he takes that slingshot and he slings that stone 
And it goes smack dab into that giant skull and crushes it in. Now that's some precision. So David does have some skill. And he's going to use the skill that God has given him. He's not going to try to use the skill set of Saul. Because God hasn't given that to David yet. David will go on to be a mighty, mighty warrior. But right now he has faith in what God has given him the ability to do. And he uses the skills that God has given him with faith that God will get him through this situation because God has promised his people. And David has faith in the God of promise. Well, it knocks that giant over. And David doesn't have a sword, remember. He gave Saul his sword back. So he goes over to that giant. Just imagine. There's been like 40 days of this happening, of Goliath coming out to his tent every morning and mocking the armies of Israel, and they just sit there, not knowing what to do. They don't want to run away, then they admit defeat. So they've sat there for 40 days on two mountains, looking at an empty valley, waiting for somebody to fight Goliath. And all of a sudden, a shepherd boy comes. Now imagine the shock of the Philistines. Goliath's huge. He's a warrior. David's just, he's not even wearing armor. He's a shepherd. And then the guy falls down because he hit him with a rock. I mean, they were probably just in shock standing there. And then this ruddy kid, as Goliath calls him, comes over and picks up that giant's massive sword and chops his head off and takes it away. Now, when the Israelites saw that courage, they began to run and they take over the Philistines. What we have here is a mighty mismatch. You've got a normal... So in Israel, I don't know how accurate this is, but I've tried to look up as much as I can. But in that day and age, the average man was about five and a half feet tall. Goliath, it is estimated, based on the measurements, that he was anywhere from seven feet to nine feet six inches tall. So even if you're a normal-sized Israelite man, you're five and a half feet tall, going up to a seven to nine foot tall warrior, you have a slingshot and no armor. Goliath, his armor weighed an estimated 120 to 150 pounds of chain mail. That's heavy. On top of that, he had a brass helmet that weighed about 50 pounds. And then he had a spearhead that was so big that it weighed 16 pounds just for the head of his spear. Now imagine the staff that it takes to throw a spearhead that big. And that's why it specifically calls out that it was the size of a weaver's beam. So I want you to picture a baseball bat. Not the handle of the baseball bat, but the fattest part of the baseball bat. That's 2.6 inches thick. A weaver's beam is two and a half inches thick. I can't wrap my hand around an entire baseball bat. That's how big just the handle of this spear is. That is massive. And then he's got his brass breastplate. Then he's got a guy that walks in front of him just to carry his shield. Imagine that poor guy that got stuck carrying Goliath's shield. I don't know how you get that job unless you're a short giant. But it said that Goliath and his, and his uh, brothers could have been from the race of the Anakim that you hear of in Deuteronomy and Joshua. You remember when they're going to scope out the walls, the promised land, and they come back like, forget it. There's giants everywhere. Well, it's believed that Goliath and his brothers were of that descent. 
So the Israelites of old days who had seen all the miracles of God, all the miracles, the sea parting, all of that, and they get to this place like, forget it. I know God is big, but those guys are huge. We're not doing it. This is who they're facing are those guys. But then you've got David, this ruddy little youth, 14 to 19 years old, no armor and a slingshot. And he's coming up and he's telling this guy, God's giving you to me. Now, is this insane? Saul thought so. David's brothers thought so. The Israelite army was probably like, great, go ahead and drop your weapons. David's walking out. Might as well put the chains on me now. Goliath thought he was insane. He, was, he thought he was so insane that it made him mad that they would make fun of him by sending a kid to fight him. That's how mad he was. So you have this complete mismatch. But David, as I said a while ago, was not banking on his skills as a warrior. He was banking on the skills that God had given him. But mostly, he was trusting in God. Because this man had mocked the honor of God. David's confidence in verses 36 and 37 of this chapter. He says, the Lord will deliver. Now David has a hand in that, doesn't he? He's the one that picks up the stones. He marches out. In fact, he runs out there after him and uh, Goliath have exchanged words. He runs out there and he slings that stone with such precision and such force that it crushes the skull of this giant. And yet David tells Saul, the Lord will deliver. David didn't come here with pride. He didn't come with ego knowing that I am going to be the next king of Israel and I'm going to show him who I really am. David simply came to check on his brothers. That was all. But David was enraged when God was mocked. Now, when he walks up to his brothers and his brothers see him asking the questions, and they get mad, and then they go out there and they see David put the armor on, take the armor off, and then they see him walking out there. I wonder what his brothers were thinking at that point. Were they thinking, this is insane of my brother to do? Or were they looking at him like, does he know something I don't know? Or yet, what kind of faith does David actually have that he believes he can do this? The difference between David and the entire Israelite army, the entire difference is while everyone else is focused on the size of the foe, the size of that giant, David didn't focus on how big that warrior was. David simply understood how big God is. It didn't matter if that was a short warrior, a giant warrior. It didn't matter to David. He was not seeing a giant. He saw a man mocking God. Everyone else was so focused on the problem that they forgot about God. The entire Israelite army was so focused on one obstacle that they forgot about the God over all things. They were so focused on this one man that they took their eyes off of the God who had sustained this nation for generations and generations. But David did not. He understood in his heart just who God is. 
That's the make or break thought here between David and the entire Israelite army is the title of this message. God is bigger. David knew it in his heart that God is bigger. Now, is that not kind of a simplistic childlike faith? Yes, it is. Should we not have a simplistic childlike faith? Yes, we should. Jesus even says, I believe it's in um, Matthew chapter 18, where the children are coming to him. He says, unless you are converted and have faith as this child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus' point there? Don't try to overthink this. Don't try to put your wisdom into my salvation. Don't try to put your skills, what you've done, what you bring to the table... You simply come as a child. What does a child do, a little child do with their father? When they are scared, when they are hurt, they think dad can conquer anything. And they go running to dad as fast as they can. They lift up their hands and dad, hold me. I am scared. Simplistic, childlike faith. But as we get older, we start to lose that. But what Jesus is saying is unless you continue to have this faith where you just simply trust me and you start to put in your own schemes, your own plans, you'll never make it. And that's exactly the type of faith that David has. Because David doesn't see a giant because he knows his God is bigger you ever that old saying we used to do as kids, my dad's bigger than your dad, my dad can beat your dad up? You know, sometimes that's a good attitude we should have. God is bigger. God is bigger than this problem. You can't beat up my God. You can't take him down. You're not stronger than him. God is bigger than you. Problem. God is bigger than you. Temptation. God can destroy you. Temptation and fear. God is bigger. It's simple. But it's exactly what we need sometimes. And that's what got David through the rest of his life. I just picked just a few of the Psalms. Just Psalm 23. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm going through this perilous situation, God is with me. He's not looking at the the horrible destruction state of this valley where he could die he just knows God is with me and that's all David needs in that valley is to know God is with me Psalm 27 who shall I fear no one when I'm waiting on the Lord because God is bigger than my biggest fear Psalm 31 in you O Lord do I put my trust because you are bigger than my biggest fear Psalm 46, this psalm, I love it. Summing up the psalm, in the midst of just destruction, mountains melting into the sea, storms, everything is shaking. There's just fear everywhere. He says, He is our shelter and our strength. And then he says this, Be still and know that I am God. God is bigger than all the destruction that's out there. You know, we're all going to face these giants in a way. We have temptations. We have sins. We have stumbling blocks. 
we have people actively trying to destroy our faith, we're going to walk through valleys and they will be dark. We're going to go through storms on a ship and it will be fearsome and those waves will come crashing in over us. But do you trust Him to be with you? That's the question in every one of our storms, in every valley, and in every giant you face. Do you know God is with you? My favorite verse in all of the Bible is Isaiah 26.3. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. I quote that verse every day. You know why? Because I need it every day. I need to remind myself that in the midst of all of the trials I'm going through, I can have a perfect peace in my soul when I trust in God. I must trust in God's plan. I must trust Him through the trial. The fire hurts. The storms are scary. But you can be at peace when you have a complete trust in God. I want to close with an example, a personal example. Uh, it's a good word, word picture here. Um, when I was at the Mighty Oaks Foundation getting treated for my PTSD... When we got to the end of the week, what they had each of us do was walk out alone for about an hour and a half to two hours. And we were out in the mountainous area of California. It was just gorgeous out there. Just mountains and valleys and mountains and valleys. No towns anywhere near. And we were to go out and contemplate on what we had learned that week. And one of my issues that I'd had through all of my PTSD was just a paranoia, fear, and anger that were starting to consume me. And it was because I was scared of things I could not control. I couldn't control my dreams. I couldn't control everything going on around me. I couldn't control the things out in society. So I went up on that mountaintop, and I saw a valley. And as I'm standing at the top of that mountaintop, that valley seemed huge. But then I looked, and there was another mountaintop. And there was another valley. And there was another mountaintop. And there was another valley. And I was overcome with just this emotion of peace in God, knowing that, yes, I'm going to walk through valley after valley after valley. But there is a mountaintop at the end of each valley, and it is Jesus Christ. And it is my trust in Him. And those valleys start to seem a lot more shallow when you start to realize that Jesus Christ is walking with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know if that was a real valley. I don't know what David was picturing there, but it sounds horrible. It's a valley of a shadow of death. It's dark. It's deep. And there's death. But you are with me. And therefore, Lord, I have peace. I will walk through this valley trusting in you. I will run towards that giant knowing that you are with me. And that's what I felt on that mountaintop. Was that peace of Isaiah 26.3. Knowing that as long as I trust in God, 
through all of the trials, through PTSD that still comes and goes, as long as I'm still trusting in Him, I have peace. Even when that valley is coming, I know that He is with me. That is the mindset that David had as a young lad through his life, knowing that God was his victory, knowing that God was with him. So when you face your trials, which you will have, when you face your temptations, which you will have, when you face the sins that we currently struggle with, you say, God is bigger. Remember that song, kids, who likes VeggieTales? God is bigger than the boogeyman. He really is. God is bigger. So have faith. Have peace in knowing that He is in control, even in the midst of your battles, even as you face your giants. God is in control. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You give us a peaceful assurance in the midst of our storms that You are with us. Lord, when we are struggling to understand or even believe this, I pray that we go to the Psalms and we see the faith that David had through so many struggles and we say those words that You are with me. Whom shall I fear? No one. Because Lord, I know that You walk with me. I know I'm going to have trials, but Lord, I know You're there in my trials. I know that I'm going to have tribulation, but Lord, You have a plan for my life, and I trust in Your plan. So therefore, Lord, I pray You give this congregation peace in the midst of facing our giants. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.